Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome, everybody, to Revolution. Glad you could make it. Got some new faces here. Always nice to have new faces. Um, we just got out of a, doing a series, an eight-part series on Galatians, and it's always weird shifting from a series back into normal talking. But uh, I was kind of thinking about, I've been thinking about the Gospels and Jesus and the first Gospel being Mark. At least that's what a lot of people believe. Some, not everybody, no one agrees on everything. But I was thinking about that and thinking about the beginning, Jesus' beginnings. And so I thought we'd maybe talk a little bit about kind of his venting process for disciples and uh, at the beginning of what was going on there. Um. Yeah, I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about other things, but why not? Just get right into things. We're in the book of Mark, so that's where we'll be today. And I'm starting in Mark one. It says the beginning, the good news. Mark one one, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet, prophets Isaiah. Say, I'm sending my message ahead of you who will prepare. I'm sending a messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming the baptism of, of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and people, and people from all over Judea countryside and all people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins now John was clothed with camel hair with I'm sorry I'm going to go back now John was clothed with camel hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey he proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy of stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, was baptized by John in, Jordan, in the Jordan. And just as he was coming out, up out of the water, he saw the heavens tore apart and the Spirit descended like a dove on him. And the voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And that's kind of the introduction to, you know, Jesus' being on the scene in the first gospel of Mark. That's just, just kind of gets right down into it. I, I like that because there's, you don't have to go through the nativity story, the virgin birth, or all that, and then have to debate that. You just kind of get right into it. There it is. And... um John the Baptist was preparing the way, you know, it's amazing how much theology people just grab out of those few lines and uh, how much movies 
get out of those few lines of John the Baptist, you know, him being crazy and trying to remember who played John the Baptist in, uh, what was the, what was the one? Uh, no, the real controversial one. No, not Jesus Christ Superstar, the, not the, the one with William Defoe. And he played Jesus and everybody was the last temptation of Christ. Yes. Because I remember everybody protested that movie when I was a kid. Um, I can't remember who played John the Baptist in that. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. I saw it on HBO when I was a teenager. I kind of dug it, um, even though it was, I guess, not supposed to. I've got new reading glasses, so forgive me as I pause for a moment to put them on. I haven't given into the bifocals yet. I haven't figured it out. Because I like to skateboard, and they said if I skateboard and bifocals, the ground will be very much... Yeah, they said you'll fall, so... I decided I'd try reading glasses first. It's going to really get weird when you wear both of them. Yeah, it's awesome because you can't see anything. When my reading glasses, I can see this, and then I look up and you guys are blurry. Yeah, it's fantastic. The world of getting older is great. Then they have these things called progressive lenses, and it's, yeah, there's like a sweet spot in the middle, and then they're blurry on the side. Yeah, you move your head. You're like the Terminator. Moving your head around. I didn't want that. Well, now I've completely got off script. But that's okay. That's what we do here. We talk about glasses and fun and go down rabbit holes. Um, goes on in here and talks. And this is another story where we get a lot of a lot of stuff from a little area. I mean, it's also in Matthew and Luke, but. Um, the temptation of Jesus, where it says, And the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he gave, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Get a lot of movie stuff out of that one, too. Um, I was recently in a, I'm taking a class, a seminary class on Jesus right now, and just different views of Jesus, and it's very interesting. Um, but one of the people which kind of bothered me was like, how would they know what happened in the wilderness? How would they know that Jesus went to the wilderness? And I kept thinking like, could he not have just told them? You know, it was my deep theology, theological argument was, could he maybe just sat down with them one night and was like, yeah, and then I went into the wilderness and I was tempted and it was freaky. Um, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, this is where what we're talking about comes into play. Um, the idea of Jesus bringing the kingdom. And people expected the kingdom to overthrow Rome, for Jesus to rule, in an actual kingdom, and Jesus was kind of coming and saying, eh, it's not exactly how it's going to happen. 
But the kingdom was coming, and I believe the kingdom came. Um, and it's, I think it's still here. I think it's, we see it in things like loving our neighbors as ourselves and the fruits of the Spirit and stuff like that. But Jesus was coming here to say, and this is the thing, is if we look at it in, the, in its context, that Jesus was saying, here comes the kingdom. I'm bringing the kingdom, and it's, gonna, it's going to look very different than anything you can expect. And he was showing people and here in the first part of Mark how different it would look. Um, goes on into 16, where it says, As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their net and followed him. As they went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were at the boats mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with a hired men and followed him. Interesting enough is this, this is the beginning of a different kingdom, um, a different idea. Usually if you wanted to follow a rabbi, you had to go after the rabbi. You had to ask the rabbi, and usually the rabbi would say, say, uh, no, go away. I don't want this. And then, you know, the, you go away, and then you come back and be like, no, I want to be your student. I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. And the rabbi would say, no. And usually that would happen three or four times before the rabbi would take you seriously. Um, and here Jesus is walking along the shore, finding random fishermen, saying, I want you guys to be my disciples. This is the idea of what the kingdom of Jesus is going to look like. Now I know why people put reading glasses down here. It's not so you can read here, it's so you can see here. So I'm learning so much. Um, so G Jesus is reaching out to the fishermen, to normal people, to regular people, people that don't, you wouldn't usually expect to be part of the group, part of the, you know, what would be disciples. And uh, to me, that's a, a kind of a beautiful thing. And if we jump over to Mark, we see even more of Jesus is doing this and what his kingdom will look like. Um, in Mark 2, uh, 13, it says, Jesus went again. I mean, also just to look at some of the things that we we just were passing by here. Um, we're skipping over, but some of the stuff that we see is uh, Jesus cleansing the leper, um, healing, um, asking people not to say who he is. We also pass Jesus heals, uh, I think, uh, let's see, your sins are now... Uh, the paralytic man I think his hand's paralyzed and uh, Jesus says what is it easier or no no it's a crippled crippled man and he says you can't get up and he says what's well, easier because the, the, the Pharisees get angry and the scribes get angry and they ask why he's doing this and it's blasphemy to forgive sins and Jesus is like what is it easier to forgive sins or say stand up and take your mat and walk <laughs> you know so this is this is the new kingdom is becoming here, you know. 
all of a sudden this rabbi is forgiving sins. You know, what's going on? He's forgiving sins, healing people. And uh, so we're passing those things by for uh, what I thought would be for time, but it looks like we might have a quick, quick talk here today. Jesus went out again besides the sea. <laughs> Last famous words, right? Jesus went out <laughs> beside the sea, and the whole crowd gathered around him. He taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphas, sitting at his tax collection booth. He said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Um, In the New Living, it says, why does he eat with such scum? Which I've always kind of liked that translation. When Jesus heard this, he said to them, to give you an idea of what they were meaning, he said, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, I have come to call, not the righteous, but the sinners. Now, there's so many reasons why this is really beautiful. Um, one is, is, is Jesus comes up to a tax collector in the midst of his tax collecting. Now, if you were a Jewish tax collector, you were working for Rome. And you would have been... Uh, seen as a traitor to your own people. And Jesus is walking up to this person that most people did not want to make eye contact with because he could take up to 50% of what he wanted. And people also thought this person is scum. It wasn't just Pharisees and scribes who thought, you know, some of the zealots and things like that wanted to kill. For part, of their, part of their mission in life was to kill Roman cohorts, cohorts. And um, and Jesus says, come and follow me. Jesus sees someone who's probably not been seen for a long time, really seen, and says, come up and follow me. And what does he do? He puts his tax collection booth down. And he says, okay, you've seen me. I'll follow you. And it goes on to say that you know, many tax collectors. So it wasn't just it wasn't just Matthew, but it was many tax collectors and sinners that were sitting with Jesus and his disciples. And you know, to share a meal also meant that you were building a covenant with people. And so you've got this where he's saying, "These are my people; these are my covenant." And then look at this: this is my kingdom. This is me building my kingdom. These are the people who will be in my kingdom. The outcasts, the sinners, the tax collectors, the fishermen. These are the people who will be in my kingdom. And um, I think we fail to see that a lot today. You know, it's not like if we just sat down and eat dinner with somebody now. It really meant something. It meant something beautiful. And Jesus would have been seen also as unclean. So I've always thought it was, I've, I've not always thought, but I've come to a point where I think it's interesting where people say Jesus was seen as sinless. Not to the Pharisees, not to the scribes. He wasn't seen that way. 
He was seen as somebody who was a rebel rouser, but also somebody who went into places that were unclean, places that where he shouldn't be. And Jesus was all of a sudden saying, it's not going to be about who's in and who's out. It's not going to be about what you can do or what you can't do. You know, it's not about your works. It's not about certain holidays. It's not about that. You know, he's like, I've come to call. One of the things is it talks about physicians. You know, sick people aren't in need of physicians. And um, I've always equated it to a the church before being like a hospital that says, you know, you come sick and it says, get well before you come in. You know, we wear white coats here. We don't want to get blood on them. You know, that kind of concept, that kind of idea. And, uh, and that just doesn't make sense. And that's what Jesus was showing. He was showing this is where people people are, and it's not. And then also in the New Living, which is the reason I keep going back to New Living, is I've memorized a lot of my verses in my younger years in the New Living. He says, "Not those who think they're good enough." And I always like that. Think, you know, um, because he's saying, you know, none of none of us are have it all together. None of us are are perfect. And I don't call perfect people because there aren't perfect people. But I call sinners because we're all sinners. We all fall short. That's what it says in, 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 in Romans. We all sin, all fall short of God's glory standard. And some people, hey guys, would say, well, I don't want to be counted in that group as a sinner. I don't want to be counted as, you know, I've been called that my whole life. I've been told that my whole life. And I say that's a good group to be in. It's a good group to be. That's where I am. Count me in that number. Count me in the sinner's number. I don't want to be in the righteous. Because I realize I'm never righteous. I've got too many things in my life to go on and just be called righteous or to play that game. Or to set up other people to an impossible standard that isn't there. You know, pretending that you're okay and everything's okay. I mean, growing up for me, I thought the, my youth pastors and the pastors of the church and everybody had it together especially because I saw him only once a week. So that was, or twice a week, or actually if you're Assemblies of God, you know, about four or five times a week. But for a few hours, and you thought, these people have it all together. And I don't. I still lust. I still want to drink. I still want to party. I still want to do all these things. And I didn't think about, like, those are the things that they told me were bad. <laughs> they weren't telling me that, you know, thinking that everyone, you know, being exclusive was a sin because it is. It's the opposite of the fruits of the spirit. When we just went through Galatians, it says creating fractions or factions. They have fractions. That's math. Factions uh, or thinking everyone's right but you and your own group. And so I wasn't taught that. I was taught, you know, don't drink and screw or go with girls that do. You know, that was the the big thing. And but they made it seem like. They were great, and they had it all together. And so it was almost like they were new Pharisees, or there was a new law created, a new law that I could not live by. And so I thought God hated me. And until someone, until I heard this verse talked about and explained, this was one of those verses that really helped me go, oh, I am loved. I am amongst these people. 
you know, this is great. So this was one of the, one of the, this verse is one of the early, early verses in my life that really influenced me and affected me in a, in a, in a really powerful way. And, uh, remind us to be in that number of people. Got my notes over here. So look at that. You know, that's another reason why uh, religious leaders are upset. They're upset at everything. They're upset that he's healing. They're upset that uh, the company he's keeping, you know, they're upset with this. And it's also because he's making kingdom claims. You know, that's the major thing. That's what they were expecting the Messiah to do. And so they're going, this guy is claiming to be the Messiah. He's doing miraculous works and wonders. Yet, he's not doing it the way we've been told, or the way we've been raised, or the way we think it should be done. And so it's, it's, there's too many people are being accepted. And, and eventually, you know, I mean, in, in, in some of the, the Torah or the Old Testament, or, you know, the, the, the Hebrew Bible, it said that Gentiles would be saved and the world would be, you know, the, Jerusalem and the Jews would be the light of the world. And this is what he, this is what he's saying the light of the world looks like. You know, this is the light of the world is someone who sits with tax collectors and sinners and notorious sinners and fishermen and you know, touches unclean people, goes into unclean places. This is what the kingdom's going to look like. This is the kingdom of God. And for for people in this setting, it's just going it's mind-blowing. It's mind-boggling. That's why a lot of people don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. You know, because Jesus came in and was like not fulfilling the things that they thought needed to be fulfilled. Jesus came in looking very different and still looks very different and, and very unique. I mean, he's a failed Messiah for a lot of people. He's a failed prophet. He was martyred and killed and so a lot of people say, you know, that's not fulfillment of the destiny of a Messiah, of the Messiah. The Messiah doesn't die on a cross like a common criminal. But Jesus did. So there's a humanity there, and I think for us to really be in touch with our own humanity, it's, it's good for us to see the humanity there. Um, goes on in... Where am I... This is just one of those areas that I didn't want to skip over, so I wanted to kind of read. Um, 23 in Mark 2, 23, it says, On the Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, the disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what you're not lawful on the Sabbath? You know, these Pharisees were really disillusioned with Jesus. And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God where Abra there was high priest and ate the bread of the presence which was not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he gave some of his, to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. And the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So he's saying, don't let the rules rule you. Don't let the law rule you over your life. And uh, 
Remember, the Sabbath was made for you, not you for the Sabbath. And there's another thing of this is what the kingdom looks like. The kingdom has got humanity in it, humanity part of it. I have to think it must have been very difficult for these Pharisees to accept that and to see that. I mean, I I can't blame them for being upset. I can't blame them for being disillusioned. Um, the hope is is that they were able to realize in their own lives and see in their own lives their own weaknesses and their own struggles through this and realize that they were being identified as okay too, that they were actually part of the people, you know, that Jesus was speaking of. Mark 3.13 is I wanted to hit too. So I think this is interesting. Um, once again, we jump over things where Jesus is saying, don't tell people I'm the son of God, which I find interesting and feel like there might be another sermon there. Um, it also talks about the Pharisees uh, were angry and conspired uh, against him. But he went up to the mountain and called him to whom he wanted, and he came to them, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, to be with him, and to be sent out, and to proclaim the message, and to have authority, and to cast out demons. So he appointed twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name I always have a hard time with this one. Bone, I can't even say it. Bonigus? Bone, I don't know. We're just going to go right over that. That is son of thunder. <laughs> and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Now, the idea to read this and look at this is that it's 12. Once again, you see Jesus saying, this is my kingdom. It's not the glorious army that people thought he was going to build. It's not the warriors that he thought was going to come. It's 12 people. You know, it's very something very small. And it's really amazing to think that 2,000 years later, we're sitting in a room online, talking about this guy and what he did in this way. Because if you think about it, the kingdom really was fulfilled in a beautiful way. And the message was spread. And it went as far as east as to west and west, east to west and south, (laughs) north to south and east to west, sorry. I didn't have my never-eat-shredded wheat. That's how I remember North, south, east, west. Um, so yeah, it's that's 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 the good news. That's what I was getting out of it today. You know, that we're basically saved by grace. That the kingdom is a is bringing humanity and spirituality, the earth and heavenly realms together. 
for us to experience and that it's not this far off place with golden streets or these far off you know situations that we can't reach but it's here amongst us as Jesus preached and showed and uh, I find that to be good news and I hope you do too um, before we go, um, one of the things we do here at Revolution is we take an offering, but we'd also rather have you than your money, so don't worry about it if you don't got it. Um, or if you're listening online um, and you see this as part of your church in your life, we'd love for you to you know make a donation if you can. That's how we keep this... Uh, ministry going, but if not, that's okay too. I'm not a pressure, <laughs> pressure preacher. I'm not an evangelical preacher or a, 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 what is the word I'm looking for? Preachers that promise that you'll get rich. Prosperity preacher. I'm not a prosperity preacher, and I'm also not going to doom and gloom you. Um, it's just how churches are set up and nonprofits are set up, so that's how we make our living. And uh, right now, God willing that, and, and grateful that that's how I survive. So grateful for that. So yeah, if you want to consider giving, great. If not, that's okay too. But um, you can give by going to revolutionchurch.com and clicking on the link. Or you can go to Facebook and click on the link, click on the link there as well. But thank you so much today for listening to the church and for being with us. And uh, once again, this is Revolution Church. Thank you.